Green light's on. Wow, that's loud. Well, good morning, everyone. I hope you all had a restful night. And we're so thankful to wake up an hour earlier. I know I was. Especially when two little kids come and jump on you. But that's fun. Sometimes. You know, I gave Michael the title to my message earlier this week. And it's on the back of the handout. And it says, From the Outhouse to the Penthouse. And I was thinking about it. It also could be titled, um, From Death to Praise. Um, In Psalm 40 is where we're going to be this morning. Um, If you notice in the beginning of it, it says, uh, My Helpman, My Deliverer is is kind of the title of the psalm. Each psalm kind of has their own little title. And it says it's a psalm of David. And so in this psalm, we're going to really kind of focus on the first three verses. It says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up out from the pit of destruction, out of the miry bog, and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth and a song of praise to our God. Many will see in fear and put their trust in the Lord. And let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray this morning that as I bring your message, Lord, that you would speak through me, that it wouldn't be my words, but it would be your words, that you would touch the hearts and minds of those in here this morning. Lord, this is a message that you have given me. Lord, I pray that you just work through it now. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You see, this wasn't initially my message for this week. I was working on something else. I was working on a message out of Deuteronomy. But around mm, last Sunday, Monday, Sunday night, Monday morning, somewhere in that time frame, um, the Lord decided, no, I want you to preach this message. And I didn't know really why. But you see, kind of like our lives in this psalm of David, something was going on. And really, if I would have wrote this psalm, I would have started with verse 2. I would have told you why I was crying upon the Lord, crying out to the Lord. He's, he's in a pit, so he's crying out to the Lord. You see, David had a great life. You know, there was many times in David's life that things were just going really good. When he was out there in the fields with the sheep, he was a young boy, everything was just great. When he fought Goliath, things were even better. Then he became Saul's... Uh, Saltry, he was playing the harp for Saul. Things again, he was in the court of the king. Things were great. But then all of a sudden, he started defeating the enemies, and they were saying, Saul's defeats the hundreds, but David's the thousands and the thousands. All of a sudden, the attitude towards David changed. So David went from being in the king's court to running and living in caves and with the enemy. Then he gets back to the kingdom, as we all know. He becomes King David. Things were going great again. But then he sins. He sleeps with Bathsheba. And it begins to decline. To the point where his sons chase him out of the kingdom. Then he eventually comes back. But it's not like it was in the beginning. See, our lives, there's so many ups and downs. So many things that happen and take place. We don't ever know why. We don't know what's taking place. You see, this psalm is a lament. It's a, it's a prayer of help. David needs help. He's needing something that he himself cannot do. As king, he, could, he should have been able to do everything and anything he wanted to. He shouldn't have needed help. 
But you realize there came a point where he did. You see, and that's the same thing with our lives. You know, the past few weeks have been really tough. And we'll get into that in a minute. And, you know, hopefully everything's going great in your lives, but we never know what's going on in each one of our own lives. Things could be great, things could be rocky, things could be horrible. But you see, while we're in that pit, like David, we've got to wait patiently. I don't know about you, but I am not a patient person. I have no patience. I want it, like, I don't like to wait to get someplace. I want to be there. I don't want to wait for anything. I, I want it now. I just, just, I don't like to wait. You know, when we had our first son, I hated waiting those nine months until we actually got to see him and hold him. I was like, why can't he just be here now? Get it over with. <laughs> I know Alicia was like the same thing. Let's get this thing over with. You know, there's times where we're in trouble and we don't see an end in sight and we want the trouble to be over, but yet we got to wait. And during those times, the Word of God says patiently. How many of you have heard that old saying, don't ever pray for patience because you'll get what you pray for? I hate to tell you, but there's, I don't see that anywhere in the Bible. I don't see anywhere where it says don't pray for patience. In fact, think about Paul. How long did he pray to get that thorn out of his side? A long, long time. And it never was taken away as far as we know. But see, when we're waiting, we're not just to sit there and just twiddle our thumbs and hole up in a corner. We've got to do stuff. While we're waiting, we've got to pray. We've got to take whatever that request is to the Lord every single day. And sometimes it's not easy. There's times where you may just want to throw up your hands and say, forget it, I'm done. I can't take this anymore. But it's at those moments that we got to realize that the Lord is there. And you see, and that's what that next part of the verse, it says, he inclined. So to me, I, I kind of picture God in heaven sitting on his throne and he hears the prayers coming up, and all of a sudden he hears that, that cry. He kind of tilts his ear. Maybe he cups it. I don't know. I just, that's just kind of what I picture in my mind. And he, and he sits there and he listens. And as David says here, he heard my cry. There is nothing wrong with crying to the Lord. You see, and turn with me to Psalm 51. Verse 16. It says, For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You would not be pleased with a burnt offering. But here's what it is. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, you will not despise. You see, it's not what we give the Lord. It's not sacrifices. It's not burnt offerings. It's not anything but a broken heart. You see, when we come to that point where we're done with ourselves and we realize we can't do it anymore, that's when God can do something. That's when God will show up. He'll turn his head. He'll listen. And he responds. It's those cries. When you come and you just fall on your knees and you have tear-swelled eyes because you can't do it anymore. That's when he listens. 
That's when he says, you now understand that you can't do it alone. You now understand that it's not in your own power and strength. You see, and why does, do we get to that point where we're broken? Well, here in the psalm it says, he drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog. When I think of what this pit of destruction is, I think of death. I think of just, it's a, it's a sinkhole that is like no other sinkhole. There's no way out. The walls are completely smooth. There's nothing to climb on. There's nothing to get you out. And then when I think of a miry bog, I don't, I've never seen bogs here in Washington, but in Georgia we had bogs, and they're nasty. Oh man, they're nasty. The, the smell can just turn your stomach. You, it looks like regular muddy ground, and you begin to walk through it, and all of a sudden you're up to your hip, and your leg's stuck, and you're like, well, now what do I do? And you tr- try to wiggle, and you just sink a little bit deeper, and you try to move, and it doesn't want to let you go. It wants to, basically, I've always feared when I was hunting there, if I was coming back at night or even going to the woods in the morning and I was to fall in a bog, I'd feel like the earth was trying to swallow me whole because it doesn't want to let you go. And I've lost many boots in there and I had to dig around and find them and that smell just stays on you. It's all that dead, decaying stuff in that mud and it's just nasty. It's no place you want to be. And it's nothing that you want on you. That's where we are sometimes. Those places that we don't want to be. But what also too is here is when that time we're crying out for salvation. We don't realize sometimes that we're in that pit. Those that don't know the Lord, they don't really understand what's going on sometimes. They just think everything's great and then all of a sudden they realize it's not what it is. They come to that realization where they're missing something in their life. They have a hole in their heart that nothing can fill. And then they remember maybe a a message back from Sunday school that they went to years ago. Maybe they remember a friend telling them about who Jesus is. Or maybe they hear something somewhere. And then they come and they cry out to Jesus. You see, he doesn't wait when he hears that cry. When he hears that cry for salvation, he comes immediately and he pulls you out of that, that mire. He pulls you out of that pit and he makes you whole. But you see, this pit here, it could be many different circumstances. It could be one that we put ourselves in. It could be one that people around us put us in. Or it could be one that we just end up in. Since the middle of February, I was in that pit. That pit is not a good place to be. You come to that point. You just want to give up. Say, I'm done. I'm through. I can't take it. There's those times in all of our lives that that happens. Maybe it hasn't ever happened for you. You know, this is the, probably one of the roughest times I've had in a long time. You know, for the first 17 years of me and Alicia being together, things were great. We had bumps, we had rocks to go over, but nothing like a pit. Nothing like a miry bog that we've been in. I can't tell you what made me stay. You know, there's times where you end up in that pit and you just come to the point of depression. 
that you don't want to do anything. You just want to sit there and hide out and be left alone. But that's not what the Lord wants. One thing that kept me from sinking deeper and deeper into it is continually going back to the Word of God. There was times where I didn't want to pick up the Word. There's times I didn't want to read the Bible. There's times I just wanted to just throw it and say, I'm done. I'm giving up. But he hears our cry. Each night I read Antonio a psalm. And for the past couple of weeks, oddly enough, we've been in Psalm 119. Because it's the Jewish alphabet, and so there's many different breaks, and it kind of makes it perfect because he only has an attention span for about 30 seconds. And so you read those psalms, and over and over and over again, I was reminded of how good the Lord is, how he loves me, how he's there for me, how he's going to make my path straight when I stay in his word. And then in my own devotional time, I was reading through Hebrews. And I got to a point in chapter 11 where the writer of Hebrews begins to list all of the great people of faith. And actually, I wasn't planning on this, but turn there with me. Hebrews 11. And we'll start in verse 29. Uh, we'll start in verse 31. By faith, and it talks about, you know, we, he goes through Abraham and Moses and everybody else. And By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she'd given friendly welcome to the spies. So we just went through the whole history of Israel, how great God was. And then he says, and what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Japheth, David, Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to fight, flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might raise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with a sword and they went about in skins of sheep and goats. Destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in the deserts and mountains and the dens and the caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us. That's the church age, us right now that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. All of them went through different trials. All of them went through different times of despair. Samson could have had it great, except for a woman who kept nagging him. So ladies, don't nag your men. No. <laughs> Sorry. That's a free one, guys. There's those times and maybe everything's great in your life. Maybe you're on top of the mountain. You don't worry about a pit. You don't have to worry about a bog. Praise the Lord. But those times when you're facing it and you're in it, what happens so many times is when we're in that pit, we look to ourselves. 
to try to get out of it. We look to who we are and what we can do. Because we've seen where we in times and past, maybe we were able to get out of small little hiccups in our life. But all of a sudden, we're in this thing that we've never faced before. We're in this circumstance. We're in this time of our life where it just seems like I'm done. We can't look to ourselves. Because if we keep looking to ourselves, we're never going to hear what the Lord has to say to us. We're never going to hear when he finally answers. And what's sad sometimes is we think that he should answer the exact way that we want him to. It doesn't work that way. It's a yes, which that's great when it's a yes. It's a no. And sometimes it's great when it's no. But a lot of times, it's wait. It's wait. And those are the times when I just want to throw a chair. I'm, I'm being honest. Those are the times where I'm, I'm just ready to, I can't wait anymore. I need to get out of this pit. The smell's killing me. I'm up to my neck, and then before too long, it's going to be to my nose. And, and then after that, I'm done, because I won't be able to breathe. It chokes you. You try to move yourself, and you get stuck. It's like quicksand. You get stuck worse. Until all of a sudden, what happens with quicksand? When you stop moving, it begins to release you. You've got to be still. It's in those still moments when the small, quiet voice of the Lord will come and he'll, mentor, he'll, just, he'll mend you. He'll begin to talk to you. Not audibly, of course, but through his word. He'll begin to change circumstances for you. He'll begin to make the path to where all of a sudden it, it kind of releases a little bit. It begins to break up. And what's so great, the next part of this verse, it says, and set my feet upon a rock. <laughs> I love that word rock in the Hebrew is selah. S-L-E-A with a little at the end. I don't know what you think. But what it means is this. It can be a rock formation. It can be a cliff. It can be a stronghold, or it could be a fortress. But also, too, in the Hebrew, they use this word, selah, as also, too, God as a rock. <laughs> Sorry, little dance. He set you upon himself. The true fortress, the true stronghold, the true deliverer. The one who has always been the same, today, tomorrow, and forever. He sets you upon himself because he knows there's no way that you can fall. It's sturdy. You have sure footing. You have confidence. And you have security. But only on that rock does that happen. And he's the one that puts us there. And making my steps secure. You see, as long as we stay with Christ... And his path, there may be times of difficulty. But he's always there to keep us 
safe. You know, there's been other times where I've heard that, and it's actually in the Bible, it says that he will never give us more than we can handle. Well, man, God must think I can handle a whole lot. Because <laughs> he's given me way too much at once. But he doesn't. He gives us what we need so that he can be seen. So that we can't rely upon ourselves. So that we can't try to make our own path. So that we don't try to put our own feet in front of us. But we keep our feet on his, our eyes on his feet and follow him. That's what it takes. Because see, when that begins to happen, he goes into verse 3. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. He puts a new song in our mouth. It's a new song of praise. Another word for song is psalm. He puts a new song, new praise in our mouth for us to praise him. One that we never had before because we never went through that situation before. One that just tells how great he is because he is our God. I would love to, you know, I mean, think about who God is for a second. He's Jehovah. He is the creator of all. He's God. He is I am. He's the one who loves you more than you could ever imagine. He's the one that's always been there for you and always will be there for you. He's the one that will do anything for you that he can. He'll move mountains. He'll shake the earth. In fact, later on today, go back and read Psalm 18 and see what he did for that prayer. He shook the heavens and the earth for the psalmist. That's what he does for his people. I could sit here until the cows came home to talk about who God is, but I wouldn't even cover a tenth of it. Because you see, God is. You fill in the blank. For me right now, God is my helper. God is my deliverer. God is my sustainer and my provider. God is for me. And many will see and fear. And that's not dread fear. That's like fear like, whoa, like holy fear. Like, whoa, God did that? Whoa. But if you give up in that pit... You can never get to that point where people will see. Had I given up, had I just said, walked away and said, I'm done, it wouldn't have been just on God. Think what it would have done to my family, to my kids. How could I tell them how good the Lord is if I don't live it? How could I tell them that God loves them if I don't believe it? You see, the decisions we make earlier affect the later. 
And not just my family. That's, cause that's huge. That's, that's my world. But think about those that are around me. That know that I profess Christ as my Savior. That I go to church. That I try to do what I can. What would that testimony be to them? Well, he gave up. Must not be that good of a God. He didn't trust him. Why should I? And that will happen when we do give up. We can all think of somebody that we know that maybe has given up. Maybe times where we've given up and we had to eat our own words to our friends and be like, yeah, I, I, I messed up. I shouldn't have given up, but I did. And I'm regretful that I ever did. But you see, when we don't give up, when we carry on, when we wait patiently, and people will see it, and they will put their trust in the Lord. They'll put their trust in Him. You see, that's not just a simple, they'll put their trust in Him. But imagine when you share your stories of going through the pit and those that maybe were around you and they saw what was taking place and they didn't understand how you could still smile with tear-swelled eyes. They didn't understand how you could still be a little upbeat even though everything was crashing down. They didn't understand how you still carried on when they would have just given up. They'll want to know what makes it different. They'll want to know what made you get through that. How did you get through that? What did you do to get through that? That's when you can say, hey, it wasn't me. Because me, me wanted to give up. That doesn't sound right, but that's the southerner in me, I guess. <laughs> you see, y'all? It's when we can say it wasn't me, but it was my Lord. He carried me through. He got me through that. Was it in my timing? No. Was it in the way I wanted? Probably not. But you see, He got me through. Let me tell you how good He is and what He can do for you. Maybe this was just for me this morning. I don't know. Maybe somebody in here is going through something tough. I don't know. But I know that this was changed for a reason. Maybe it was to get me through it. Maybe it's to get you through something. But you see, as those that love Christ and want to live for Him, He will incline His ear to us. And He will deliver us from whatever it may be. Just don't have your heart set on the perfect way. Because it's not going to be that way. Because there still could be some difficulty even once you're outside that pit. But at least you're outside the pit. As we play the song of invitation, there's something Take it to the Lord. Don't wait. 
don't wait to take anything to him. He wants to hear what's on your heart. And here's the thing, he already knows. He's just waiting for you to admit that you need help. And sometimes that's hard because our pride gets in the way because we're stubborn, we're dumb. We think we can figure it out ourselves. I'm too dumb to realize, well, I'm dumb enough to know that I can't. Let's put it that way. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, this is your time. Whatever may be the circumstances, whatever may be our pit, Lord, I know you're there to get us out of it. You're there to hear us, to rescue us, to put a new song in our mouth, in our heart. Lord, whatever is going on in anybody's life, may they remember they can bring it to you. Lord, may we be honest with ourselves and realize that we can't do it anymore on our own. Lord, help us to be faithful to you in bringing our prayers to your throne. Pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As we begin to sing, if you would stand, please.